Lynn Hiles Ministries presents That You Might Have Life. He said he didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have life. So Jesus came that we might have life. The Bible said in him was life, the life was the light of men. The more light you have, the more life you're going to have. So you can have peace was on me. That's why it's called the gospel of peace. He took your punishment so you could get his peace. He took what you had coming so you could get what he has coming. All around the country and around the world, people just like you are awakening to the good news of Jesus Christ. What God wanted to do was release the kingdom of God in your life until the joy and the peace and the righteousness of the Holy Ghost would so fill your life. I don't want to just make heaven my home. I want to make my home like heaven. And now, here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again today. I trust, man, that you tuned in last week to uh, uh, the beginning of where we started sharing from the book of Revelation and uh, from a totally redemptive perspective. And man, you know, I believe this is really a book that you're going to want to listen to these programs because I think they answer so many questions for so many people uh, that uh, if you'll hear it from this perspective, and once again, you know, as Jeremy said on the last program, we're really not trying to fight anybody else's view. What we're trying to do is give you what we think God said to us, and then you've got the human prerogative to eat the grapes and spit out the seeds. So we're not trying to take anything from you, but we are trying to add to you. But I had on the program last week, and you're going to see him on with me now for several weeks because he is, in my opinion, uh, one of the other teachers that I think could teach the book of Revelation with some, some uh, clarity that uh, really uh, uh, begins to unlock this book. I think so many, so for so long, this book has been a book that has been veiled in so much mystery. And uh, what we begin to share last week with you is that this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, it's not about bugs as big as Volkswagens. It's not about Godzilla monsters coming up out of the ocean. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And man, the whole song throughout this book is really not just a song of catastrophes. We will deal with some of those concepts as we go through this book a little bit. But when the song that is sang, even before uh, there are any catastrophes or any judgments that are poured out, is he says to them, thou hast redeemed us to God. In other words, when there was a lamb that was slain and the, the beasts in Revelation said, come and see, uh, they began to sing the song of redemption. So uh, to the believer, listen, to the believer, the book of Revelation is not about coming catastrophes. It is about the catastrophes that you've already been redeemed from. They are the curses of Exodus and the curses of Genesis. And as you transition from an old covenant to the new covenant, uh, what this book is about is not what's coming to you but what you've been redeemed from. Now, I believe many of the catastrophes that happened in this book did happen uh, in the natural historically to apostate Israel who rejected their Messiah, but to us who put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of our houses and the doorpost of our hearts, 
when he sees the blood, he passes over us. And so this is not about what's coming to us as believers. It's about what we were redeemed from. And I do believe historically that much of the book of Revelation was fulfilled in 70 AD, really with the, uh, with the destruction of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. with the destruction of the temple and all of the stuff that went on during that period of time. And what, the reason I want to say that is, and I'm going to let you jump in here just a minute again, Jeremy, but the book of Revelation chapter one, so this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ that God gave. We talked about that being an apocalypse. It's not a, we hear the word apocalypse and immediately our, our spirit says, you know, what Hollywood has mm-hmm. defined that to mean. But really it means to uncover what's been hidden, to unveil, to reveal. And so that's not a bad word, especially when what's being revealed is Jesus Christ. Yeah. But then he goes on to say, you know, blessed is he that he, it reads verses, this is verse three. Blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. Here's powerful key to this book. For the time is in hand. So something was relevant to a first century church. These were churches that were transitioning out of an old covenant and into the new covenant. Out of law into grace. Out of old form of governing into the kingdom. You'll see the throne here very shortly in here. They're moving from that form of government to the kingdom and uh, so he says then for the things which are written in this book, he said for the time, you know, people don't get this. And this is so powerful because this to me sets somewhat of a time to, he said for the time is at hand. He was talking to this first century church. Yep. And then he also says, which also helps me to understand that he was talking uh, to this first century group of people is verse seven says, behold, he comes with clouds. Every eye will see him and they which pierced him will look upon and all the kindreds of the earth will wail because of him. Even so, amen, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which was, which is, or which is, which was, and which is to come. I'm, and then he goes on to say, the Almighty. So he's telling them, uh, look, some things that are going to occur are going to occur very quickly. Yeah. Some things that occur are going to occur where those that pierced him are going to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think sometimes we look at these books and even, even the, and those seven churches, and there's some mystical concept to us about uh, some churches that we don't know uh, are exist, but these churches really existed, yeah. really existed in yeah. Asia. They were really seven churches in Asia yeah. that were transitioning, and almost everything they're transitioning from is they're transitioning from the old covenant to the new covenant. If you don't understand that, what's going to happen is see, there's a lot of guys preaching grace right now. And they're telling you God is not mad and that, you know, uh, God satisfied his judgment, uh, you know, on the cross and, 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 and all those things. But yet, see, they don't know how to answer the questions of the book of Revelation. Because in their mindset, God ain't mad, but he's really boiling on the back burner. Yeah. And so grace is only going to work for the next couple of years. And then God's really going to get mad and all hell's going to break loose and everybody's going to be... But see, really, this is really not dealing with something in the future. And the reason even these catastrophes, I believe, did occur historically to apostate Israel was because God had to keep his end of the covenant bargain and tell them because he told them all of the plagues of Egypt will come upon you. All of the curses of Deuteronomy will come upon you. It will not come upon us in the future because this was the end of that covenant. And I believe it was consummated and ended in 70 AD. And so what happened was, is there was a people uh, then that from that time on the transitioned. This is about a transition out of law into grace, out of old covenant 
and the new covenant. And so uh, I'm simply saying he's telling them the time is at hand. So he sets some time text here. And then he says, you know, uh, they that pierced him will look upon him. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. And so he said, if you understand these things, you're going to be blessed. I've, I've introduced it way too long. Jump in here and, and share some things on your heart. Again, it's good to be here with you again. Um, that's always, I always enjoy this. But, uh, you know, I was, even when I uh, began to teach this a couple months ago in our, in our local body, you know, I, I started with, again, and I said this last week, the scripture where Paul says, this is the mystery that's been hidden from ages. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. When John turns to see the voice that spoke with him, he sees one standing in the midst of the golden candlestick. And he says, here's the mysteries of the golden candlestick, of the seven golden candlesticks, and the seven stars. That it's uh, the seven candlesticks are the seven churches, seven stars are the seven uh, angels of those seven churches. So he's showing them that the mystery, here's the mystery. It's Christ in and among you. Yeah. The hope of glory. I believe that just like this book, just like every other book of the Bible, it, the danger is if you take Christ out of it, if you take Christ f from being the central theme of whatever you're looking Everyone. at in the scriptures, it becomes about everything else, and then it becomes scary. Yeah. Uh, and then I, you lose the real key of knowledge. Yeah. You know? I, I believe Isaiah said, you know, when he was talking about Christ, he said uh, that uh, in a little wrath, I hid my face from you. Mm -hmm. But with everlasting kindness will I look upon you again. In other words, the, the, the time that God turned his face in his wrath was when Christ, we, were being, we were being drawn into Christ and being crucified. In his anger and his wrath, he turned his face from us. Yeah. But, with everlast, but in the resurrection, in the satisfaction of what Jesus did, yeah. with everlasting kindness, he looks upon us now. So, so that shows me that there's not a... I can say God's not mad at me right now, and He's not going to be because he, His wrath was fully uh, satisfied in the death of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. because His death was my death. Yeah. Uh, this, the Scriptures go on to say that he has not, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind, except every way I've ever been looked at this book, I've been taught to look at this book. It was from a place of fear that I was fearing what was to come. But if I look at it from the perspective, if I put Jesus as the central theme of this book, then what happens is I really see the love of God. It gives me a yep. spirit of love. It gives me power because I realize that I'm not going to be a conqueror. I'm already more than a conqueror in Christ. I'm not going to be an overcomer. I've already overcame through Christ Jesus. So it gives me power. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony, I'm an overcomer. And if I, if, if, if I look at it as the destruction of my old nature in Adam, it gives me sound mind because no longer am I double-minded man. I'm not thinking when I mess up, I'm an Adam. That's good. I like when that. I'm, when I'm doing right, I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. Yeah. And any man that's in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I, it gives me a sound mind. So if, so if, any, if I look at this book from any other perspective that's giving me fear, then I'm not looking at it through Christ. I'm yep. not looking at it through what Jesus did. Because if I look at this book through Christ, it's going to give me love, power, and a sound mind. It's going oh, to give stuff. me the focus of what I need to see. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's the only way you can look at this book. Jesus, when he comes, uh, when, when Jesus in the gospel says, you know what? You search the scriptures. For in them you think you have life, but they are they which speak of me. In other words, Jesus said, everything that you've ever read throughout the Old Testament, yep. 
was all about me. You just didn't see in it. In the it was volume of the book, it was written. In the volume of the book, it's written to me. And he says, it was veiled in mystery. But he comes to him and says, you know, he, said, he gives him plainly and says, here, I'll give you a pattern. He says, you know, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and did not know what it was. But I'm here to tell you, I'm that bread that came from heaven. Yeah. In other words, Jesus said it was veiled in mystery. You said mystery you called it manna, you did, which means what is it? Yeah. You didn't know what it was. It was veiled in mystery. But now the mystery is revealed. It's Christ in you. You took it in. You ate it. You, you consumed it. Now it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It, it, it begins to change and work in you so that you begin to understand uh, an identity of who you are in Christ. See, it's not just a, this whole, uh, even this book is not, uh, if you do this, then you're going, everything's going to be a-okay. It has to, you can't, under the old covenant, it was about doing something. And we found out in the old covenant we couldn't do it. Yeah. And the new covenant is not about doing, it's about an identity mm -hmm. of what's already been done in him. Yeah. I got into Christ. I identified with his death. Again, we talked last week where Paul, or John fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his hand on him and said, John, fear not. I am the first. I'm the last. I was everything you were in Adam. Adam's gone. You are a new creation in Christ. You can rise, look up into the face. You can become my brother. You can become an heir and joint heir with me because I took everything you were in Adam and put it to death. What came up out of the grave is a new creation in Christ. You are not what you once were. That brings you up out of a place of fear. It brings you up out of a place of, of works and labors to a place of a revelation of seven churches, seven candlesticks, seven stars. Seven is the number of, uh, of completion, the number of rest. It's the number of per perfection. perfection in Christ. Uh, it, it, it brings you to that place where you can rest in the perfect nature of who you are in Christ. You can rest in it. You can rest assured that what he did in his death, burial, and resurrection was enough to fully satisfy the wrath of God. And when you identify with who you are in him, it removes all fear, all condemnation. It removes even the struggle that you have to try to do something. It brings you to a place of saying, like Paul said, how can we, how can we who are dead to sin? live any longer there. Yeah. And it becomes impossible because that's not who I am. I'm not bound to that. I'm bound to a new nature, a, a nature of love, power, and a sound mind. Mm -hmm. I can walk this thing out. I can live in victory. I can become more than an overcomer. Uh, when he writes to these seven churches, six out of the seven, he says to them, repent, change your mind about something. You know, not necessarily they need to get on their hands and knees and beg God for forgiveness. Yeah. But that word simply means to change your mind about mm -hmm. something. In other words, he's wanting them to change their mind about an identity. Mm -hmm. that they have because they're in one form or another they're still identifying with something that is not true of them yep. and he's wanting them to change their mind about their identity and see that they have become sons and daughters of Christ that they are orphans no longer they have become they've been adopted you know they've received they've the spirit placed, of adoption yeah. where they can be called sons of God you know what's interesting is I've been teaching for the last several months on my on the program about repentance mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, that's why I thought this is just perfect for this season because I've been teaching from the book of Matthew for the last months. Mm -hmm. People can go back and watch them on our archive programs. But we've been talking about John the Baptist preached, repent the kingdoms in hand. So uh, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that you've got to go to the altar every week. But yeah. it does mean, see, I believe people still need to change the way they yeah. think. And one of the things they need to change the way they think about is the book of Revelation. Yep. Yeah. 
Go ahead. I'll just you know, even even the scripture when you look at it says, "Don't be conformed to this world, mm -hmm. but be transformed by the by the renewing of your mind." Conformity is in, is when you try to do something to be like something. Yeah, and that's what we've been taught in religion you all take of our something lives. Something external superimposed on it, make a change from the outside in. And that's that's exactly what we were taught in religion. We were being conformed. Right. To a system, a world system, basically. Yeah. If, if you do the right things, you're okay. If you do the wrong things, the you know bad things are coming. But a, 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 a transformation is when you are completely changed from what you once were into something completely brand new. You are changed. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, we're we're, we're changed in an instant by thinking different than what we once did. We're not trying to do something to obtain. We're changing our mind about who we are, yeah. that we're changing it from the thoughts of Adam, thoughts of death, to thoughts of life, to thoughts of Christ. We're realizing I'm no longer a, a sinner. I'm now the righteousness of God, that he identified with my sin nature yep. and took it, to a, took it to the grave. I'm now the righteousness of God because I've identified, and I'm now do I always, and here's where the renewing of the mind, the, the repentance, yep. the constant change comes from. Am I, do I, do I not uh, mess up today? Absolutely, I mess up every day. That's why it's important that I'm continually repenting, renewing my mind and being changed because the reason I mess up is because I'm still identifying with a false nature. Yeah. I'm still identifying with something that's not true of me. What's true of me is that I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than an overcomer. I, I've, I've been changed into, just like Jesus, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, being, I'm able to do the, the same things that Jesus did. But the reason why it's not manifesting is because I've not changed my mind into my new nature. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was teaching even the other so night. So that it's not, let me just see if I can get this. So sure. it's not then a, a continual, uh, necessarily confessing your sin to be yeah. saved, but it's a, it is a turning to, uh, uh, so part of the whole repentance is not just what you turn from. It is somewhat yeah. because you're turning from who sure. you are in Adam, but it's really even a coming to not just an individual repentance of this act and that act and the other act, but a repentance or a changing your mind completely about who you are and who yeah. you're in. Well, That's even under the old covenant, you know, this, the, you couldn't look upon the face of God and live. Yeah. Well, if you can't look upon the face of God, you can't ever see who you've become. Yeah. So therefore, under the old covenant, there was no there was no chance of there ever being a change in us because we couldn't look upon the very thing that could change us. Under the new covenant, we've been given a new nature where we can look upon the face of God and be yeah. changed into yeah. the self-same likeness. Yeah. So that you have to constantly put a picture of who Christ is in front so of you. change from glory to glory. Yeah, and you see an identity in yeah, that. Yeah. You, you're changed by that. And so the repentance, the changing of mind, is that you're changing what you, what you put your focus on. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in other words, what we've been taught under an old covenant system is that you focus on the sin, the failures, and, all, and that's all we ever focused on. Therefore, that's all we could ever see was the sin, failures, and everything we were doing wrong. And we never could be changed by that. Under the new covenant, you put your focus upon what Jesus did, what he's done to accomplish it, and you're changed by it because you're, putting, you're changing your focus. In other words, if my focus is constantly on righteousness, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, love. If my constant focus is upon Jesus, I'm going to be changed upon what I'm focusing yep, yep. on. Yeah, you know that 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 becomes my only focus. That's for therefore that's the only thing I can see. My mind becomes renewed, and I begin to live according to what I see is true. So we don't really look then into a glass darkly any longer. We look into uh, the mirror of the Word of God, yeah. and we're changed into the self same image. 
from glory to glory because the emphasis is now not on who I am in Adam, yeah. but who I am in Christ. Yep. And then that transition begins to take place and transformation in my life is no longer from the outside in, but from the inside out. Yeah. And again, he's always wanting us to get our identity as sons, to live just yeah. like Christ did. Yeah. I was teaching just the other night on the nature of love of God. You know, and that Jesus, uh, the scripture says that God is love. That's who he is. It's not, it's not an action for God. It's a nature of God. Therefore, everything that Jesus did with his miracles was not an, necessarily an action of healing. It was a nature of healing. Mm -hmm. Jesus couldn't do anything but uh, raise somebody from the dead. Jesus couldn't do anything but cause blind eyes to see because it wasn't an action of compassion of love. It was a nature mm -hmm. of love. And when we begin to be changed into that image, that likeness, where we stop, you know, we always tell people, you know, we look at the scriptures. Jesus said the greatest commandments is that you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul. And the second is like, you love, uh, you love thy neighbor as yourself. And Jesus took all the commandments and put it into that too. And you would think, boy, that would make it real easy. But it's always tripped me up because he still put the word commandment in front of it. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do it from an action. My actions can never measure up to uh, the greatness of what God wanted me to. But if I stop, if I change my mind or I repent from an action of love to an identity of love, I begin to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. All of a sudden it becomes, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't kill because the Bible says not to. It becomes impossible for me to kill yeah. because my nature is I love. Yep. That's who I am. Yep. I can't do anything but love. I can't have a thought, a malicious thought. I can't have a, a, a hatred towards you because it's impossible for love to have that kind of thought. It becomes impossible for me to commit adultery because love is a commitment. Love is covenant. Love can't step outside of the covenant that it's in. It can't step outside. It can't break. It can't do anything but love. Therefore, it's not going to do yep. anything yep. that breaks that love. Yep. It, it, so therefore, when you identify with it as it's not the commandments of love are not, as long as it's an action that we're doing, as long as I'm yep. loving you out of an action, I'm going to fail. That's why God doesn't love us through an action. God loves us through a nature. Yeah. Therefore, love can never fail. God can never fail. Yeah. Jesus can never fail because it's not an action. It's a nature. Yeah. When we identify, we renew our mind, we repent to a nature of who we are. It becomes impossible for us to fail because we're not doing things through an action. Yeah. We're doing things because that's who I am. Love can never fail. Yeah. It never it, it you, never you comes know, you back. could actually take that to the book of Corinthians, the famous love chapter where he mm -hmm. talks about, you know, love does not keep a record of evil done against vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not seek its own. Uh, does not, you know, keep a record of evil done. And so what we do is we preach that again like that's some kind of works. Yeah. And so this is what you got to do. But really, you could put in every one of them, God does not keep a record Absolutely. of evil done. Because God is love. God yeah. not, don't, doesn't have love. He is love. He is it. God does not keep a record. He vaunteth not himself. Is not puffed up. Is not easily provoked. All the things that you see about love there is not just an action. It's about him as a person. Yeah. And then secondly, when you see that we are in him, then that, those things, once again, are not performance-based demands they are an outflow of an abundant life yep. of this love that God is. 
and that he is literally uh, living in me, manifesting that to humanity so that my mission in life is to receive the unconditional love of God and then give it away to the next yeah. person I meet. Even the, where he, you know, Paul says, uh, if, even if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, it profit me nothing. Yeah. In other words, what he's saying is, if I, I can prophesy, I have all these great revelations, but if I'm doing it through an action, yeah. it's really not doing nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, matter of fact, it's probably going to tear down more than it's yeah. going to build up. But if I do things through an identity of a nature of love, of yeah. who I am, yeah. and begin to speak with the tongues of men and of angels, yeah. it will change the world because it's not lo it's no longer just I'm doing it out of an action. I'm, I can't do anything but speak. Jesus said, I do nothing unless I first see the Father do it. Therefore, everything Jesus did, he did out of love yeah. because it was an identity of a nature. And that's, what's one, that's where God's wanting us to repent and change our mind yeah. to an identity of, of the sonship, yeah. of the nature, the family yeah. we're in. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think even the place where Jesus said, you know, a, a, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I've loved you. And, then, uh, you know, and so actually when he says a new commandment there, he's really not talking about you keeping the old ones. Yep. So that it's really not even those two commandments anymore. It's Jesus has given us a new commandment that you love one another even as I've loved you. So there's an outflow of what he's already shown us yep. So that when you see texts like, if you love me, keep my commandments, he's talking about his new commandments that I give you, mm -hmm. that you love one another. And, you know, I think the thing of it is, is that people watch, especially, uh, you know, if they don't watch and continue watching, those of us who are preaching grace, they, they think that, you know, all oh, you guys are preaching that sloppy agape, that uh, mm -hmm. greasy grace, and it's just goofy terms they want to throw out there. But really, truly... Uh, when this really settles in on you, what love really does, it, like you said, you, you won't steal from your brother. Yeah. We're not talking about uh, living lawless. We're mm -hmm. talking about when love is really made perfect in you, you're not going to steal from your neighbor. You're not going to take his wife. You're not going to, you know, uh, you're not going to murder people. No. You're going to take care of your father and your mother. I mean, it's not that you're trying to keep the laws per se as trying to get God's approval through performance, but there are certain things that begin to respond now, not because you have to, but because yeah. it's truly in your heart. It's the nature that fulfills the law. It is a nature, you know, and he, he's made us partakers of the divine nature yeah. so that we might be, you know, made perfect in love. And, you know, that's, that to me is powerful. You got just a couple more minutes, and then I'll take it back. If you've got a few more things you want to yeah, say, I, I, I've, I've had a lot of the program, and I want you to yeah, have some. It's okay. I, I, it's just to me, like I said, it's just exciting stuff because it begins to release. Uh, it, it really begins to, for the first time, empower. Again, I'm not living under a fear that if I fail, God is, you know, I, I'm, the judgment's coming upon me. Instead, it really puts uh, that perspective in me where I'm able to live in the yeah. love, the power, the sound mind, where I really understand. Uh, God, how, not that just God ain't mad at me, but why he's not mad at yeah. me. Why that uh, there's not a wrath coming upon me. You know, it's, we, I think that some of the reason why things are, that looks like sometimes even Christians are failing is because they hear God, you know, Jesus forgave us. Jesus, you know, uh, died for our sins, except we don't know the whole, we've not, we've not studied the redemptive work to know We've not why. majored. We've not really on it. the death, the burial, and the resurrection yeah. of Jesus. So we don't know everything has changed. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking about even while you were saying that, we're starting to run out of time. But, you know, even where he says, uh, you know, 
forgive and it will be forgiven you. And Matthew, he's still teaching that under law. Yeah. But when Paul the Apostle comes on the scene, he said, we forgive even as God for Christ's sake has already forgiven you. So it still comes out of an outflow of what he's already accomplished. Man, I trust you're being blessed by this. I, I really would say to you, you really ought to make plans to join us every week at the same time. We're going to continue this discussion over the next couple of weeks and just tell your friends about us. If you've missed some of the programs, go back to our website. They're archived there and you can watch them anytime you want to. We thank you for tuning in. Consider partnering with us for the gospel's sake and sowing a seed into the ministry that helps us to stay on the air. God bless you. Thank you. Until next week, tune in again. God bless you. This series is about living life in the context of sonship. Jesus is recognized as a son in the River Jordan by his father. Flowing from his identity as a son, Jesus comes up out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit with incredible demonstrations of the miraculous. He introduces to his followers the new covenant idea that God is more than just an austere judge. He is our Father. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Let us awaken to our true identity and set creation free.